What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mike Dawes Has a Podcast. My name is Mike Dawes, and I do, in fact, have a podcast. Joining me on this journey are the good people at Tonewood Amp. The Tonewood Amp is the amazing guitar gadget that sticks to the back surface of your acoustic guitar and vibrates, reverbs, delays, and other loveliness through the sound hole as if by magic. Because why should electric guitar players have all the fun? To find out more about the Tonewood Amp and to get a very special discount, head to MikeDawesHasAPodcast.com and try one out for yourself. This show is all about guitar, guitarists, and the music industry in general. I'm really excited to catch up with some friends who I've met on the road over the years, and I'm honored to share some conversations with some really exciting guests I'll be meeting for the first time. Be sure to follow all the guests on their socials, as well as Tonewood App and myself, by typing things into the internet. And do remember to leave a review of the podcast so we continue making more. Thanks very much, guys. Let's dive right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, the goat himself, the greatest of all time, Mr. Tommy Emmanuel, is, is <laughs> the, goat. the goat is 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 joining for the, I don't know if you know this, the season finale of this new little podcast here. So thank ah. you so much for joining us, sir. How 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 thank are you? Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excellent. Uh, I'm in I'm in good shape, and uh, I've been playing my guitar a lot. And uh, I haven't been writing anything new for, you know, a good six months, but it's just how life is at the moment. I don't feel inspired to write, but I feel inspired to play. And, um, you know, I've been, I've been listening to the Beatles a lot, just like every day feeding, feeding the beast inside me with, with Beatles music and hope, hoping that something rubs off, you know. Well, well, man, that's that's good to hear. Feeding the soul, and and I, I must yeah. admit, it's it's kind of uh, strangely heartwarming to hear hear you say that you haven't been inspired to write. Um, many of us oh. guitar players sort of, you know, look look to Tommy Emmanuel and say, well, if Tommy Emmanuel's not inspired to write, then maybe I I, I, I shouldn't feel too guilty for not writing myself, you know. Oh. Um, but the sentiment is shared. You know, it's a strange time, isn't it, for creativity and and that well, side of it's, things. You know. You'd be lying if you said that you were inspired all the time. You'd be lying if you said you wanted to write a song every day. Blah, blah. That's bullshit. You, you write when you feel like writing and when you've got a good idea and you're excited about it. Other than that, you're going to sit around noodling, making up stuff that is completely forgettable. Man, that's, that's it. Do. That's Thank it, you. and I'm so happy you just said that right off the bat. Um, there's well, this crazy true. pressure. There's, there's this crazy pressure now, and, and especially, I feel during the pandemic um, when we're obviously all cooped up and we're not on the road and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I've suddenly found myself surrounded by a wave of of oh, this is the internet and guitar now, and everyone's uploading their new song every single day. And if you're if you're not, you're you're slow. And and I'm so I sort of feel like well, I don't want to write anything. Don't make me, you know. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And it's the same thing with, with, with practice. We all know when, that practice is what we need, but we don't always feel like it, you know. I, I pick up the guitar some days and I'm all excited um, and I play some of my tunes and then there are other days where I pick up the guitar and I go through the tunes and then, you know, for 30 minutes and I, I've had enough. You know, and, and the cal the calluses are still in shape, though. You're playing enough to keep the. Uh... Uh, yeah, um, I'm a, and there are some days where I, I I play a lot, and I swap guitars. I play my Maiden, and then I pick up my pre-war, which is like a uh, a Martin, and it's a bit harder yeah. to play. So uh, I work on that, you know. And I've done some recordings. Um, I, I have an EP out at the moment, which is uh, a version of John Lennon's Imagine, which I, I love. Um, and it has two of my original songs on there. Um, I've recorded an EP, four songs, with Trey Hensley and Rob Ikes. And Richard Smith and I, a couple of weeks ago, did four songs. And it's going to be a nice surprise for people because it's not a bunch of pyrotechnics. It's, it's um, uh, some, uh, one song written by Chet Atkins, uh, two songs written by Jerry Reed. And the, awesome. the fourth song is a, a song from an early Chet album, which is a ballad. And um, we, we wanted to do uh, like a tribute to our heroes, uh, but to showcase their songwriting. And um, so it turned out nice. I used my pre-war 00028 
Amazing. to get that real traditional acoustic sound. And Richard used a nylon string, so he had steel and nylon. And um, just we we love that music. It's it's in our blood, you know mm. that 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 music. And so you know I've been in I've been doing those kind of things. I've also been playing on tracks for other people and. You know, just every now and again, things things come up. I haven't been busy every day. I've I've <clears throat> I've been half busy, half kind of you know doing a reading a book and 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 uh, writing letters and and stuff like that, doing things that I wouldn't normally get a chance to do. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Speaking of the Beatles uh, stuff that you were saying earlier, talking about that uh, that Imagine. Uh, recording that came out as part of the EP. I, when I when I heard that, I was saying to myself, "Of course, Tommy's absolutely crushed it with Imagine." Because in my mind, there are some songs that I would be absolutely terrified to touch. Oh, absolutely! You know, Imagine. I would never try and do something like, say, I don't know, a Cohen Hallelujah or something like that. There are these kind of sacred pieces, you know. And yeah. of course, of course, Tommy does Imagine and absolutely crushes it. And 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 you can hear that, and you can hear that soul, and you can hear that. That uh, that the fact that it's sort of part of your being, you know. Um, yeah. Well, songs like that, songs like Imagine, are uh, they're they're treasures in in our lives, and they're loved. The song is loved by everybody around the world, and rightly so. Uh, there hasn't been a song more important to peace than that song, and so I I treat it uh, with a great deal of respect and love and try to play it uh, with all my heart, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it, so, it certainly comes across, man. And it's it's really interesting you. to hear you're working with Richard again, like um, putting that out. I'm really looking forward to hearing that. I mean, that was something that really, uh, talking about playing the, the non-pyrotechnic-y stuff, mm. right? Because um, when I first discovered Tommy Emmanuel here, it was, I believe... I was at a band practice when I was at school and this website called YouTube was just invented. And I think it was a, a clip going around of, I think it was Guitar Boogie. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and, you know, what what on earth is this? What What is going on here? And then yeah. you, you very graciously allowed me to come and open for you on a few tours over the past couple mm. of years. Oh, it's and, been um, yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope we can do it again when the world mm -hmm. fixes we itself, will. you know. Yeah. We will. But the, um, watching from the side of the stage and seeing... Seeing the Tommy Emmanuel experience as a as a set, as a show, yeah. you know, and and I I've conveyed this to a few people. I was talking about this with Andy McKee on another episode of this. Um, mm -hmm. It's those sh those songs that really really touch people. That they they work so well at these shows, and those are the songs that people seem to remember. You know, they they might they they sort of nowadays we live in this kind of you know social media. Everything has to grab your attention in the first five seconds landscape. But yeah. you know what? They yeah. they might they might come to a come to, sh to to look at the pyrotechnics but then they leave having their world changed by the songs that move the performer and ultimately move them mm. so it's really really exciting to hear well, you're doing a lot a lot of that and bringing that to the future shows as well It'd be mm. really awesome to see well thank god for good songs you know yeah. uh, I'm, I'm i'm grateful for that um <clears throat> i spent so many years just hosing the hell out of people i remember you said that hose them down <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, you know, coming out on stage and hosing the shit out of people for two hours when I was trying to make my way up the up the ladder and, and get, uh, you know, the right agent's attention and get the right promoter's attention and draw the right amount of people and all that stuff. You know, it, it really is a case of I had to go all out. So my early shows where everything was fast and loud and big and just like flat out. And it got people's attention. And then slowly my ballads started to infiltrate the show and I started to be more relaxed. And, and I knew when, when I'd, I'd done the business and I'd, I'd draw, I'm drawing a thousand people or whatever, um, you know, once I got there, I, I knew I was free. To, to do what whatever I whatever I, I I really felt that I wanted to play, and so you know it's not a matter of pleasing everybody because um, you know trying to please everybody is a formula for failure, right? Because um, everybody has a different idea of of what they like, 
and what they can relate to, you know. And uh, I, I remember one time I, I fell into the trap of reading my forum every day. You read and, the comments, Tommy. And yeah, and, and answering people and all that sort of stuff. And I, I remember playing a show in, in Montreal and a guy, uh, I hosed the hell out of him and it was an amazing night. And the next day on my forum was, was a guy saying, I wish Tommy would slow down a little. He doesn't need to play all those fast songs and blah, blah, blah. So I remembered that. And when I came back to Montreal the following year, the show was sold out and I was all excited, but I remembered, oh, you know, this guy said you know, I should slow down. So I, I, I started the show with a ballad. And, and I played a lot more, more slow songs in the show and I was much more relaxed and everything. And I thought the show went, went well. And the next day, where the guy, same guy on the, on the forum says, I don't know what's wrong with Tommy, but he just doesn't have the energy he used to have. <laughs> you know? Amazing. And so there it is. That's the internet. I, the internet in a nutshell right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I fell for it all those years ago. Uh, mind you, that was 15 years ago. But but it just goes to show you, you know, I've got to please me first, I, I, you know, and um, um, there's no greater feeling, as as you well know, there's no greater feeling than playing your own song. Yeah. It's, th th there's no way to describe how wonderful it is when you play your song and people like it and they yeah. want to hear it. It's it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. and um, And so... You know, I look forward to that every night when I walk out there and I get excited about well, what am I going to start with, you know? Well, that's something that I, I noticed in, in, in that, you know, some people will be able to go and see you play at a show. And obviously, if you're listening and you haven't seen the Tommy show, then you're insane. And when the world comes back to normal, you absolutely should be the first thing you do. But seeing multiple shows as part of a tour... You know, mm. I was able to kind of see that in action, you know, because I was really surprised at how much of your set changes from night to night. I hadn't really toured with an artist that would impulsively change the show as much as you. You know, I, I work a lot with um with, with Justin from the Moody Blues, and because mm -hmm. we have a somewhat of a production, you know, those kind of shows have to be on rails to an extent, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's not like uh, like Prince, where he'll just call out, oh, actually, we're going to do this, and all the musicians panic, and, and they have to adapt. It's, it's a bit more on rails but obviously yeah. as a as a solo performer and someone is kind of a with such a discography you're able to yeah. do that I'm, I'm just amazed that you can keep it all in your fingers you know uh yeah. all, all of these tunes well i have to and, th and that's why um sometimes at soundcheck you know I'll, I'll play tunes that i haven't played in a while just to to go over them and some some of them definitely need a little touching up, you know, and, <laughs> and so I practice them um, uh, at, at the sound check or in my dressing room before the show, so that I can throw that song into the show if I if I want to. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a, a reasonable sized repertoire of of different uh, genres of music and things, and I build in a lot of improvisation. You know, when when I go into tunes like Deep River Blues and stuff, I improvise a lot. And, and that allows me to fly my kite, you know, and, and really get out there and push myself uh, in front of the audience. And it's fun. Yeah. And uh, as you said to me, um, I think on the first show that I did with you, um, it was over in Pennsylvania, I believe. It was, it was in the States. Mm. I think one of the first things you said was, if you want a big crowd, you've got to have a big sound. Yeah, that was your. Right. You love your rhyming little tidbits, Tommy. <laughs> you got so many of them. <laughs> Professor tidbit. Professor um, tidbit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If you want a big crowd, make a big sound. And then you go on stage and see your uh, your your world of of, of monitors and, and epicness. And we've got to give a shout out to to Steve. Steve. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. your sound man of how many years? How many years have you been? Oh, he's been with me since two thousand ten. So. 11 years. Wow. How, how did yeah. you guys meet? Because there's not many uh, sort of solo acoustic performers in, 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 the, in the, the immediate realm of instrumental picking slash finger picking with, uh, with, with their own kind of crew and, and, and Steve yeah. and Zach. And uh, Zach on lights is amazing. Mm. And um, Well, basically, 
Um, I spent many years traveling around without a sound man. And it was, it, it, some nights it was a nightmare a bit because some sound guys who have no idea what they're doing can't leave things alone. And they don't realize that, that the sound coming out the PA is my world. And I hear anything and everything they're, they're doing. If they touch it, then I tell them, you know, don't touch it, otherwise I will have to kill you, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so I had a routine where I, I used, uh, I did all my own effects. I had a preamp, which was a BBE um, parametric kind of thing. And, and I had Elisis Midiverb too, the, the old 80s reverbs with delay and stuff like that. And I did all my own effects. And I would say to the sound man, once we agree on the sound, do not touch it. I want to see you sitting like this, you know, with your arms crossed. Yeah, and, it, it is. And it is a peril, isn't it? The uh, the 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 sound man who who thinks, oh, one acoustic guitar, no problem. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be a treat. Nothing to worry about. And then, yeah, or or, or the worst, you see that see them just on Facebook the whole time, or something yeah. like that. They drive you crazy. But anyway, so I'm after the world's best and biggest acoustic guitar sound. That's all. You know, that's and all. So, that's all. So <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'm looking for the biggest, most, with, with every frequency known to man for your ear. That's what I'm looking for. And um, I, I want to be able to play from a whisper to a roar, you know, and it's got to be as big as a band. So they're all the things. Steve knows how to, how to get my sound so it's got everything, you know, yeah. and you know, that's, that's a great investment, you know. And the moment that I was making enough money to have one more person with me, I, I uh, got a sound man to travel with me. So I had to pay his, his wage, his airfare, a per diem, um, hotels, all that sort of stuff, right? So that was my first investment. And then when I was at another level, then I started bringing a lighting guy. Yeah, and Zach's amazing as well. Uh, Zach is incredible. Yeah. Talking about how you would you would change up the show, something that I really admired about watching your sets was, you know, you would change the set list, and Zach just knows all the cues to however yeah. many songs you have going out there, and exactly. he's thinking, oh, he's playing this one tonight, okay, and then the lights will be yeah. synced up musically, you know, and there's these wonderful moments in the show where you bring that visual element and um, you know, you're taking the audience up and up and up and up and up. And when, when there's a drop at the end of the song or a, you know, four and stop or, or something, you know, all the lights off totally on cue roar of applause, you know, it does yeah. bring that, that extra layer. And it's, it's, it's really cool to see that. And you have a, you have an amp on stage as well. What do you, you yeah. not, not, I haven't seen many acoustic players out there who have their own sort of amp as their own monitor. Is that, um, what are you using oh, yeah. right now? I'm using Udo Rosner's amp called Decapo, which is very similar to the AER Compact 60 that I used to use. Um, <clears throat> I still have some AER amps because they're, they're, they were Udo's amps as well. But Udo's outdone himself with this new amp. It's got every frequency. It's, it's big, it's warm, it's, it's just, and it's transparent at the same time. And I can crank it if I want. It's it's like uh, I think. It's and, 70... and you do you do crank it because I remember oh. the, the being at a sound check and, and thinking, oh, you know, is Tommy is, is Tommy sounds about done. It's like, oh no, we haven't done the PA on yet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's just the amp. Yeah, it's just the amp. It's big, you know. Um, and I like to feel like I'm inside the sound, and I want the audience to feel like their head is inside my guitar, you know. And well, then, yeah, and, it's, uh... and, and that's it. Um, yeah, so I use the amp, but I don't, I don't face it at the audience. I face it back behind me, mm. and Steve takes a signal from the amp. So I have direct and amp, two signals, and Steve uses both signals because a direct signal will give you certain frequencies, and then the amp will give you all the other frequencies. Mm. Kind and of warms it up. Yeah, and you, you mix the two together. The amp has a beautiful top end as well. Um, the the uh, direct signal has punch in the mid-range and low mids. And so it's a combination of everything. You know, it's like, uh, 
warm but then powerful. It's got enough mid-range to poke the melody through reverb and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you know. And I also notice, um, uh, you know, touring a lot in the, the fingerstyle guitar kind of microcosm there's a lot of people playing guitars made by you know men in sheds and uh there's not a lot of you know um access to electronics but on your matins you have access to a bit of an eq on the top and, and i'd never seen anyone before you know tweak as they go so much to suit certain passages i would see you playing and then and then quickly you're reaching maybe you're dialing back the treble on the guitar itself quickly mm -hmm. um that was really really interesting to see you know um uh, I, I presume that's just as you're going uh yeah. how, how dynamic you're playing the passages you're playing and being really responsive to that it's just it's really nice to see someone who knows sound uh so much and i think it's really interesting for people listening as well to to know that that's a thing that you do you know yeah, totally. I mean, and it's all about serving the song, you know, like when I play a tune like uh, Lewis and Clark, for instance, I'm playing just with the flesh of my hands, right? There's no pick, there's no nail. So in order for me to get the right balance of, uh, uh, of getting the melody to really speak with a long reverb on it, and then getting the backing to just bubble away, so I spike the mid-range and I back the bass down a tiny bit. And then all of a sudden, it's got this like total flat response. And when I pop the melody out, it, it pokes out, but uh, it's just within what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, when I play Summer Over the Rainbow, I spike the mids right up and I turn the microphone almost off. And then I'm able to get all the clarity through a big, um, you know, f a big reverb. It, they'll all, they all come poking through. Yeah, those little uh, harmonic and, arpeggio yeah, and, things and that you, you do. You yeah. need more reverb than, than you think to make in, in a PA because you're playing gently and then you've got all the reverbs, uh, you've got all the harmonics against the open notes to come out. Yeah. And so you you do that with all that mid range, and it just it just sits there like that. It's so beautiful. And you're, and you're making me so nostalgic for uh, for the sound of of acoustic guitar in a theater. Yeah, you know that big I know. thing. And, and I, I think uh, I think it was you that said reverb. You know, reverb equals talent. You know, more more talent, please on the on the <laughs> monitors. That, that was that was Chet Atkins who oh, used to say. Yeah, he used to say. Hey, hey, Tommy, you want a little talent on that? You know, in other words, do you want some reverb? That's amazing. That's amazing. So, 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 yeah. um, we must touch on Chad Atkins as well. But, but as we were talking about some of the gear stuff, um, is this stuff that you're talking about as part of the True Fire thing you've been doing? Yeah, I've been. I started a uh, a subscriber channel where I um, called Up Close and Personal, and I called it that because it's not just songs. It's I talk about a lot of things like uh, arrangements, songwriting, um, how to change strings, how to tune up, how to work with a metronome, um, a, a lot of those kind of things. And then there's a lot of songs on there that I've written, that I, that I play, and then I, I, I break down and, um, and teach each one. So people can subscribe to that channel and there's always new stuff being loaded onto it. So it's an ongoing thing. I started that uh, early last year after I came off the road. Yeah. That's, and I, it's, I, I, there's hundreds of songs on there. Hundreds of, Jesus. That's, yeah, there, yeah it's, a lot of, it's a crazy time, isn't it? Because, um, uh, you know, people like yourself, we're all off the road right now. And um, so are so many people, guitar players from all over the world, with such an appetite to learn. Yeah. And yeah. these services like True Fire and Patreon and things like that are, are so yeah. cool. I've, I've been, uh, Brian's actually been been on at me for a while now to to start a True Fire thing. I've just got to start filming the clips for it, you know. But it right. sounds like it sounds like such a good thing. And I know Andy McKee, uh, who yeah. I spoke to a few weeks ago, is doing the same thing. Um, yeah. And how how fans can kind of almost interact, you know, with a bit of a back and forth as well. Right. You know, uh, uh, last uh, uh, the first Saturday of every month, I do a virtual workshop. Oh, cool! And and people people log on, and um, you know they're the people who are subscribing to my 
channel and you know we had about 40 people the other day and there was a lot of questions flying around and and um and the the hour went like that you know yeah. um but it was great fun and their their ways of you know a little income trickling in and and uh some interaction with fans and with players and uh and and you know to to give something back to the, to the folks you know yeah it, it's sort of um it's nice to have the energy come back once you put it out there with the music it's not you know with the audiences you obviously get that energy coming back to you um yeah. uh, you know it feels like playing tennis rather than playing squash you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> actual human interaction i had um every every sunday i've been doing uh three sort of one-to-one zoom kind of lessons oh. uh, with fans so i just i keep it pretty limited and but it's it's super just therapeutic and quite selfish for me to be honest you know just Isn't to have that, that have that interaction and people responding to the stuff you're putting out there and getting that energy back you know yeah. um so that's Brilliant, awesome mate. oh guys check out the true fire then true fire tommy manuel up close and personal there we go that's we can use that as a, a little bit a little <laughs> a little scroller or something well talking uh, one more thing about the gear because um every since I, I had the privilege of starting, you know, uh, to be able to travel and play music, every gig, or almost every gig, I see somebody open a guitar case with a maiden, with Tommy Emmanuel's yeah. name signed onto the little bit just above, <laughs> just above the end of the fretboard. Could you yeah. could you share a little bit about the, the maiden connection and the connection with with, sure. with Australia and that company? Because it's a fascinating well, story. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I've, I got my first maiden in 1960. That'll give you some idea of how long we've been associated. So it's a wow. long time. Um, but uh, maiden are the, the first really popular Australian brand. You know, there are Cole Clark out there now as well. Uh, and there are other people who make guitars in Australia, same as everywhere else. Um, but uh, my my first good guitar w- was a Maiden, and it was a, l- a solid body electric guitar, same as the one George Harrison was given when when the Beatles came to Australia. So George had one, wow. and um, anyway, uh, my brother and I both had the same model electric guitar, and then when when. Um, uh, Ovation came out with the first acoustic guitar with a pickup in it that was half decent. I bought an Ovation, and uh, you know it was a it was a uh, pretty uh, uh, ordinary instrument. Um, but when you plugged it in, it actually worked, and it sounded a bit acoustic. You know, not not really as good as. Uh, some of the other ones that, that came later, but they were the first ones to have that kind of pickup system, and I so I had one, and um, and then Takamini came out with a fairly good guitar in the early eighties, uh, a good uh, uh, um, acoustic guitar, and then they had the uh, pickup system with the uh, twelve volt um, battery in it, uh, sorry, nine volt battery mm. in it. And um, uh, it, it had a mid-range and all that sort of stuff. And it was pretty reasonable. And I, I had a deal with um, Bose at that time. So I used to play through a big Bose PA. Go on, got, a, got a little Bose PA just behind me there. That little that's stick right. Stick yeah. In the, corner, yeah. the one I had was like a rock and roll PA. It was massive. <laughs> had all subs and all that stuff. And I used to play pubs and stuff. And and the thing about the Takamini is, it was it was a, a pretty it, it was the best sound you could get at that time. I'm talking about eighty three, eighty four around that time. And uh, but when you really pushed it and and drove it, it square waved kind of thing. The sound made that metallic square wavy awful sound. And um, so. Maiden came to me and they said, you know, you're, you're the only guitar player with, with profile here in Australia and you're playing a Japanese instrument. How come you're not playing a Maiden? And I said, well, you guys build better guitars, but your electronics are useless. And, and it's all about how good the electronics are, I'm afraid, well, you know, because you've got to plug in. 
Got to play shows. And they said, well, what can we do? And I said, well, um, if we had a pickup that had a microphone on it and, and the batteries went in the top and it was light and, and all this stuff, and they said, well, none of that's ever been done. I said, well, why don't you do it? So I kind of forced them to, to start um, working with scientists and electronic wizards who, who could build this thing, you know, and it, it took a while uh, for them to come up with what they came up with, about three years, and we experimented with, with the, the first lot of pickups, but they, you know, they were 18 volts and they had two, two nine volt batteries. So your guitar was heavy yeah. with, with stuff, you know, and eventually they, they got it to double A batteries, everything in plastic and, and light. And, wow. and, and now the pickup that we enjoy has all the, um, uh, sweepable mid-range and, and all the EQ and the amount of microphone. It has everything and it's all on board, you know. So, so all of the luthiers all around the world having to deal with weirdo, weirdo guitar players' electronic requests for wacky and wonderful pickups really have you to blame for all of this. Well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining like an Apollo 11 NASA room with loads of dudes in, in work shirts and ties all smoking constantly with their, with their gadgets and machines developing this thing. <laughs> that's, that's amazing yeah. that you're at the genesis of so many, just so many uh, movements in the, guitar, in the guitar world. And oh. it's, it's, it's amazing that, uh, that you've been with that, br that brand of guitars for so long. And obviously it's become uh, quite an iconic thing. And I, I, maybe this is a demonstration of my ignorance, but it seems that you have certainly helped uh, put that particular brand, Maiton, on the map. I mean, uh, I, well, I couldn't offhand think of another artist so uh, right. attached to that, you know? John Butler is, is another ah. great, uh, uh, another guy who's been using Maiton a lot. And you, you'll know John. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's Never met the guy. Amazing he's artist. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. But, uh, you know... It's yeah, this little guitar that I have here, my, my, my main one, oh, yeah. um, I mean, it's a monster. It just acoustically, it's brilliant. Um, stick a mic in front of it and it sounds gorgeous. Plug it in and it's a beast. It's just incredible. And I have several maintenance that are, they're all custom shop ones. They're, they're made by the same guy. His name is Andy Allen and... Um, He's an amazing builder, and he just keeps getting better and better. And Maiton just keep getting better. So, you know, I'm very proud of them. It doesn't matter where I go. I could be in China, Russia, uh, you know, the most uh, strange place on earth, and I'll be signing Maiton guitars. They're everywhere. Yeah, they really are. I mean, it's it was no exaggeration to say it. I mean, you know, I was in Beijing a couple of years ago judging a, a, a guitar uh, event there and you know yeah sit, sit sit down and watch 40 different uh guitarists play and and somehow have to judge them which is such a a strange concept um it's a bit of an, an american idol concept which i don't really relate to but matons mm. you know just all all, all matons i swear you know it's it's, <laughs> it's an it's an amazing thing really well hello there everyone apologies for the interruption to the podcast but i did want to tell you about the amazing tonewood amp the awesome sponsors of the show many of you will know already that i use this thing all the time the magical little device that sticks with magnets to the back of your acoustic guitar vibrates the back surface of the instrument so that reverb delay chorus leslie speaker effects and other loveliness project out of the sound hole as if by magic you can head to mikedoorshasapodcast.com now to get more information about the tonewood amp as well as saving a tasty percentage for yourself let's get right back to it so were you, were you playing the uh the, the maiden when you played presumably your biggest gig ever i say presumably because i can't really think of anything bigger than like the olympics in sydney the olympics is definitely the biggest gig <laughs> it's like uh 2.75 billion people watching Right, jeez, I wonder what um, the ass cap was like on that. <laughs> right, well, what I um, and before the before the event, when when all the stadium was full of people and there's all lights going on and and thirty thousand athletes in the middle and just this incredible spectacle, I turned to my brother and I said, "Take a photo of this in your mind because it'll never happen again for us." Yeah. 
you know. It's incredible. Um, but uh, I played a Maiden electric guitar uh, through a Line 6 pod. That's Amazing. how I got the sound. We were playing live. My brother and I were both live. And then I had my, my acoustic guitar on a snare drum stand holding it so I could lean over and play the acoustic part and then go back to the electric guitar. It's, and, um, it's it's an so incredible thing. It's, it's, I saw I, I saw the clip on on YouTube. This was the closing ceremony of the Sydney Olympics. Which yeah. for anyone listening who is younger than I don't what was it was it which year was the Sydney Olympics? Uh, it was two thousand. Yeah, two thousand so and um, twenty one years ago. It's an incredible thing. I I was in a bar in North Wales with our mutual friend Clive Carroll. Oh, how wonderful. And um, he was, I think he was telling me a story of possibly doing some shows with you around that time mm -hmm. and saying, okay, um, I, I, I might be butchering the story, but uh, so I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, okay, I've got to break off from the tour because I've got to go back and do a, do a little, a, a few little small gigs of my own. And then, and then he was going obviously to do a few little small shows in in somewhere in in england or the uk and right. i think his story is yes tommy said yep same i've just got to go back to australia and do this uh do this do this gig and uh and then he turns on the tv and it's the bloody sydney olympics yeah <laughs> which is just outrageous um and and an incredible <laughs> thing i definitely check it out on youtube if if anyone's listening and hasn't seen it the sydney olympics closing ceremony what was the name of the song um you were playing it's it was somebody called, else's song wasn't it it's called back on terra firma and it's written by John Jorgensen. And you wouldn't believe it. I found the backing track, right, because we, we, we played live over the top of a backing track because it's so big out there, you know. Hmm. You can't, uh, there, there was no room for an amp and stuff like that. That's why we use the Line 6 pods. Um, um, but um, I was in Nashville mastering the backing track and cutting it down to two minutes and 46 seconds. That's the, or that's the time that it had to be faded out by two minutes and 46. Yeah. So I, I got that together and then I went to the airport and I flew Nashville to LA, LA to Sydney, right? And I get to the airport in Nashville and I'm standing in line to get on my plane and there's a guy in front of me with long blonde hair, tall. And I thought, he looks familiar. And he turned around and it was John Jorgensen. And I <laughs> said to him, John, you'll never guess what I've got here. And he said, what? I said, back on terra firma, which is a song he wrote, right? We're, we're playing it on the Olympic Games, on, on the closing ceremony. And he couldn't believe it. He was so thrilled. And, and w when we got to Sydney, uh, he sent us flowers to our hotel. Amazing. Which is really sweet of him. Well, it's, but it, uh, it, that was the right choice uh, for, the, for us. It was a really dramatic instrumental. Yeah, it, it, it comes across. It's a powerful piece and, and a powerful performance and just, just amazing to see, you know, two brothers just loving, loving music and, and, and playing in, you know, home country, home Olympic Games. What yeah, an experience. It'll never happen again. And it was an amazing moment. And with all those people out there and the excitement, you know, just trying to keep calm was, was uh, important. It sounds. You know? It sounds like a, a pretty dumb question, but but were you nervous? You know, someone who performs uh, as much as yourself was this uh, just another? I, it sounds like a very silly thing to say, but the reason I say it is because when I talk to people who play, say, stadiums versus clubs, they they don't really yeah. see a distinction in how they feel about the show. I'm just wondering if the Olympic Games and billions of people uh, changed how your body worked in that moment. You know? No, I I was very calm, and I was excited and gave it everything that, that I could, but I tried to play well and, and you know, all that stuff, you know. And Phil and I, we just kind of bounced off each other playing-wise, even though we knew it was only two minutes and 40 seconds. Um, we, we really gave it our all, you know. Uh, amazing experience, man. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, well th there's so many things that, that I really want to ask you as part of this. However, because this is the 
quote-unquote season finale of this little podcast I've set up here with the good folks at Tonewood Amp, who I believe you met. They're, they're in, in charge yep. of this whole little thing. Wonderful, wonderful people. I yep. thought it would be nice to make this one a little bit different and a little bit special. So what I've done is I have some questions from some of my patrons and, oh, and, and and some friends. Some you know, some you don't. So I thought it might be nice to give other people an opportunity to ask you what they would want to ask you. Oh, thank you. Thank, so, thank um, that'd be great, Mike. Well, th thanks to them. Um, oh, but first of all, one question from myself. Why do you love Starbucks so much on the road for lunch? Well, be because it's consistent. <laughs> um, you know what you're going to get. And you, you're going to get a pretty decent cup of coffee. Absolutely. So, good, for, good for the coffee and, and the white yeah. bread, constant white bread. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I try not to eat too much processed kind of food. You know, when, when we eat dinner on the road, it's always good quality food, mm. always, because you've got to have you got to have vitamins and 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 minerals and stuff you got to get all the goodness from your food that that's the best thing you know hot, hot meals before shows are essential yeah and uh, exactly. the, the, the 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 uh the lifestyle of or, or the cliched touring lifestyle of of junk food constantly on the road will only get no. you so far not no. not not the way I to do to it eat well there you go you heard it here first if you want to play like tommy emmanuel eat your vitamins kids that's right <laughs> <laughs> There's a nice clip right there. Well, let's look at these little questions here. We have okay. our, our friend Kirby. Uh, oh, Kirby okay. Jane uh, asking, yeah. what is the current situation with your movie? What is the what? The current situation with your movie. Um, it's been, this is the third year it's been in um, film festivals around the world winning awards and stuff. So we, we were trying to get a few important uh, film festival awards to, uh, you know, b before we approached someone, someone like HBO or Netflix to, uh, to distribute us and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So we were trying to get a few, you know, um, brownie points with the film the little uh, the little wreaths uh yeah, logo from things yeah from around the world um before we approached a big company about uh getting the film out but um yeah it's been doing very well uh, and i'm kind of waiting to see w what's what's going to happen next um and um, every now and again, I ask, you know, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, it's in such and such at the moment. It's in France. Uh, it's uh, such and such a festival. And, you know, so um, it's been everywhere. I mean, it's been in like 10 different film festivals here in America. Wow. Um, so. And it's an all-star cast, all-star cast as well. <laughs> On that thing. Uh, looking forward to seeing it when it's officially released. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's warts and all, you know. It's, it's full of honesty. Absolutely. Well, it's something you're known for, man. It's just the, the, the honest expression, and it's something that I try to convey in these little uh, episodes that I've had with, with a lot of musicians. It seems like a similar thing, and, and, and it's, mm -hmm. it's something that I think is really important to hear, especially nowadays when people are trying to uh especially people starting out in music trying to compete with a sea of of sort of content you know it's 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 nice to remember that uh the reason we play is for that honest expression you know so yeah. um kirby actually has another quick question which is okay. uh what is the favorite concert you've attended as a as a punter as a, as a guest uh probably paul mccartney you know the the songs and his, uh, well, his band and him, but just his performance, his singing, everything about everything about that show was, uh, you know, it was total gold. It was beautiful. What what sort of year was that? I'm trying to imagine uh, which which band he had with him. Year before last. Oh wow! Okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my sister saw him. I believe it was at Hyde Park, uh, one of those yep. big shows they have there. Yeah. Um, there we go. It's all about the Beatles. All coming back to the Beatles. Oh, Fantastic. It's all about good songs. That's what it's about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
The um, uh, one of my patrons here, Josh Thomason, has a question, which is, mm -hmm. uh, well, it's a bit of a two-pronged question, really, about songwriting. Okay. In an mm -hmm. average songwriting process, how how long does it take to go from an idea to a finished piece? I guess that's you know how long. It's a bit of a generic mm -hmm. situation, but uh, with with variables. Yeah. But how long would it take you to to create your typical Tommy Emmanuel piece? Well, let's use um, fuel as an example. There's a lot in fuel, right? There's a lot of writing in fuel. Uh, there, there are a lot of different sections um, and everything. That took me probably two hours to write and then another two hours of practice till I could play it. Um, I wrote it on a train trip, so I had the idea. Uh, I started the song He's got the guitar, with, guys. Yeah, with... I had that, and then I had that... I had that sound. So uh, I had those chords, and I had that as my starting point. Um, and then I, I started writing this song. Over there. And um, what a riff! I uh, yeah, it took about two hours for all the parts for me to write all the parts and piece it and then piece it together. And then I knew I I kind of had it. I was just all over the place with it uh, technically. And then I started just playing it and playing it and playing it. So it was about four hours to write and perform. Well, that's a, a, a really productive four hours work there, Tommy, for that tune. It, it was, a, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then there are other songs like Lewis and Clark where I got the main theme straight away and, and I had it in five minutes. It just came over me. But then each time I got to where the chorus comes in, the real payoff, nothing was coming and everything I tried I discarded every time. No, that's not it. That's not it. And I kept at it and kept at it. And I you know, play the verse again, leading into the chorus, and nothing, you know. And this went on and on and on. And I was starting to force it. I was starting to try to force it, and it just wasn't working. So I know that you can't force music. It has to come to you and flow through you. So I put the guitar down and went, went to bed, went to bed. And uh, I got up early the next morning and I had a different view. And I started thinking of the story of Lewis and Clark from the native people's perspective. And the voice in my head said, if you bring your love with you, we'll welcome you. That's what the voice said. And it had a melody. If you bring your love with you, da, da. and I heard that, and I heard that melody, and I put it in the song, and there it was. And I finished the song. That that's that's really uh, really fascinating for a couple of reasons because um, writing instrumental music from a lyrical uh, thing is something that I've I've tried a few times, and it's something that I've, I've always yeah. tried to encourage people to do. And it's interesting that that's what happened to you as well with that. But also, yeah. I love how you took that, and then you, in that particular song, you've got the the groove in the bass going yeah. along with it, and that's what makes it, it dance, yeah. you know. Um, well, there's, that, there's constant motion with the chords. And when you, when you have constant motion... Right, and it's, it's, it, the story starts to unwind. The story starts to unfold at the start.
so forth. So there's this constant moving of chords and then the melody seems to be just like telling the story and it's slowly unfolding, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, Yeah, and so some songs like that, uh, I had to wait, you know, a songwriter waits patiently for something to inspire him or her. Um, and so when I got that idea, I knew I was onto something right, you know, and all my instincts told me so. Uh, you've got to trust your instincts too, you know, and also, you know, I've taken in a lot of music, so I have, I have a high standard to try to reach because I've listened to all the greats, all the great songwriters from Stevie Wonder down kind of thing, you know, and they've set a high bar. Mm. And so if it's not right, all my instincts are going to tell me straight away. So um, when you strike gold, you know it. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. Man. Amazing. And um, I, I mean, I mean, it's interesting, obviously, like I said, at the beginning of this, this chat, you know, you, you, the song has to come to you and, and, and there's a certain amount of sort of waiting on that yeah. inspiration and on that spark. Um, exactly. We've actually got a, a question here from uh, Robert Chen, um, who's, I think, asking a similar thing, but more on the technical end. And his question is, um, what advice would you give for someone who feels that they've stopped improving, that they've plateaued? Um, then it's time, it's time for something to influence you. Um, start listening to something maybe that you haven't listened to, to shake, your, shake up your, your uh, um, instincts and, and uh, your enthusiasm. You, need, you, you definitely need to take in some different influences. I remember when I was writing, I, I, I went through a period like for six weeks where I was just a songwriter, right? And I'd get up in the morning and I'd put on Sinatra live at the Sands and then I'd put on Stevie Ray Vaughan and then I'd put on Bonnie Ray and then I'd put on Mozart and I, I bombarded myself with lots of kind of great music of all genres, just to uh, listen and take it in. And I could draw on it uh, later in the day when I was writing a piece or whatever, you know. I remember when I wrote a song called Who Dares Wins, um, I had been listening to Phil Collins and, and where he used the Roland drum machine in some of those <laughs> 80s, late 80s songs. Yeah, the Roland drum, drum machine playing this groove. And so I wrote this song with a... Sort of in the air tonight kind of, um, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, think twice, it's another day for you and me in paradise. Oh, banger! Yeah, all, all that stuff. You know, <laughs> that I was, was that was that was the first the first thing I ever did on a musical instrument in my life was as a baby finding my mum's keyboard and and hitting all the white keys. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> <laughs> Connected by Phil Collins. Sorry, oh. totally, I totally interrupted you there. I just oh, uh, no, the, the memory just came. Yeah, how wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, yeah, um, you know, it's part of being a human being that 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 you get um, you get stuck in a rut, or you you know, all of us get stuck in ruts, um, uh, and uh, sometimes we get writer's block, sometimes we get creative block, uh, and you just have to get through it. You know, it's not the end of the world; it's going to pass. This too shall pass <laughs> as opposed to uh, gandalf who famously said none shall pass um <laughs> ah, okay <laughs> fantastic well yeah and, and we've got all the time in, in the world right now to to listen and absorb new influences um myself i've been fooling around with uh songs from artists i used to listen to back when i was at school and just hadn't had an opportunity to go back and listen to that stuff and it's sparked yeah, a different yeah. kind of creative thing there mm. definitely down the ballad route as well um right. a question here from uh jana in 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 germany is there a musician you haven't played with who you'd love to be on the stage with? Oh, 
Well, in particular, it's a tough question, isn't it? I'd love to do something with Lady Gaga. She's incredible. Oh wow! Mm. You know, I love working with singers. So, you know, um, do something with with somebody like Gaga um, would be would be the ultimate. That's to, awesome. To, she, she's to incredible. Her, to be her accompanist for a song, Oof, that would be the greatest. Well, well, Lady Gaga, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Emmanuel would like a chat. Get it, get it together. Yeah, yeah. What, are you, what are you waiting for, Lady Gaga? <laughs> Stephanie, I think her name is, or something. Well, she did, she did that thing with Metallica, didn't she? There was, um, it was, uh, was it the Grammys or, or some kind of award show where where she joined Metallica, and that was a, a, a collaboration for the ages. So maybe she can uh, step it up and play with Tommy. That would be pretty well. There you go, Yana. Uh, maybe an unexpected answer to that question. Lady All Gaga. Right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We, we have um, uh, just a little, uh, a little attempt to uh, say a word here in another language. Now, um, this question is from your, uh, forgive me, uh, Skettering. Ah, my Skettering. Yeah, that's that's um, uh, from from Denmark. Yes, it's uh, it's our, our friend Casper Esman uh, Skettering. I don't know what that means, but he trained mm. me to say it, and it he means just. Uh, my little treasure. Oh, bless, bless. Okay, well, that's and, good to know. A dreng is a boy. Oh, my okay. Little, my little treasure boy. That, that, that's that's what we, we, we call each other. Oh, that's adorable. Well, his question is, show us your Danish skills. It's more of a statement, really, but I think you just have. Show us your Danish skills. Uh, okay, you ready? Der er en hest. That means there is a horse. Fantastic. The only Danish I know is fart pilot, which I believe is cruise control in a car. But ah. um, uh, there we go. We taught, we taught ourselves some bilingualisms today, Tommy. Thank you so we much did. for that. And I hope you enjoy that, Casper, if you're listening. Casper. Casper's uh, uh, writing great tunes and playing so well. He really is. I've known him since he was a boy and he's, he's, he is a scatterdrang. He, he is a, a real treasure to me. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure he'd love to hear that, Tommy. That's awesome. Well, uh, that's that's fantastic, man. And, and, and one, more, one more little question here. I've, yeah. I've got a list because because I, I mentioned that uh, I was going to be chatting to you and obviously there was a lot of people that wanted to get their questions in here. Um, but let's... Let's go with uh, let's go with Lars here. What happens to your guitars when you retire them from the road? Do they, do they exist okay. in some kind of magical... Realm? They exist in some magical realm. No, <laughs> um, uh, my original Maiden guitar from my album only, which is the one, the prototype from the 90s, that guitar is in a guitar museum in Australia. Very um, cool. Yeah, uh, along with my 66 telly, my Fender telly. Uh, that I used all, all my life. Uh, those two guitars are on display in that museum. Where in, in Australia, Australia is this? It's in Tamworth, which is the the country music capital of Australia. It's oh, like wicked. the Nashville of Australia. And and my my uh, uh, mouse, my uh, maiden that I had be before this um, was called the Yellow Mouse. And that guitar is in Croatia with um, a, a young man named Frano Zivkovic. Oh, he, he joined, um, he, he was at one of the concerts that, 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 that I did with you, uh, that I opened yeah, for in Germany. Um, that's right. I gave, Germany. Him the, I gave him my 808 wow. that, I, that I had all those years. It's a great guitar. I gave it to him because he deserved it. Um, and the one that's really marked up that has no finish left on it, whatever, <laughs> that one is in the uh, Musicians Hall of Fame here in Nashville. Wow. Sitting next to George Harrison's guitar. Wow, that's incredible, yeah. man. What, what, a, what a story. What, an what a Yeah, what a, what a legacy, you know. Um, I mean, the power that your, your music's had on, on the musical world and the guitar world. I mean, I, I would say guitar world first, but just the broader 
musical world is, is, is really phenomenal and the impact you've had on so many people. Uh, we all mm. thank you sincerely and it's a real pleasure to have you on as, <laughs> as this sort of season finale, episode 10. That's a nice way to end a season, isn't it, of these little mm -hmm. podcasts. And yes. um, well, Tommy, thank you so much for taking the time, man. It's 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 nice to see you again. It's nice, oh, nice, so nice to see you doing see well you, in Nashville. And um, when uh, when uh, all this is over, we'll do something somewhere, sometime. You know, I know we will. Uh, well, thanks for the unexpected pleasure of of doing this podcast. Because, <laughs> it, I mean, apart from the fact that uh, I get to hang with you, but it's it, it's great to talk about so many different things and 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 have time. To do that, you know. Well, it reminds us of our, yeah. our car journeys on the autobahn. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we can do that again soon, man. Well, lots of love. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. I'm going to go and stop the recording uh, right here. Thank you so much to everyone listening to this whole season of Mike Dawes Has a Podcast, because I couldn't think of a better name. And thank you to the lovely people at Tomewood Amp for putting this whole thing together. Lots of love to them. We love them. And uh, I will see you next season. Uh, and do stay in touch with Tommy on his TruFi course and the new EP Imagine, which also features uh, two new, well, two original songs that are re-recordings, aren't they? They're re not just remasters, re-recordings. Thank you so much, Tommy Emmanuel, the goat himself. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out this week's episode of the podcast. For more information about this week's guest, head to the link in the description where you will also find more information about the Tonewood amp as well as that cheeky little discount you can get as well. Lots of love. See you next time. <laughs>